I'm not touching anything, Zach. I'm not touching anything. Better not. <laughs> Welcome to a football show. It's official. I have transitioned. I've been transitioning a long time, Zach. I was born a millennial, a geriatric millennial, and I have transitioned officially to boomer status. I don't know what I did, but I broke the whole damn thing. And I apologize to all of you for, for all that silliness. Hopefully you got a, a good kick out of watching me flail around and I assume, Zach, most people prefer to hear me on silent, on mute, actually. I'm pretty sure the theater of it all was really great. It was really enjoyable for everybody. Right. Um, All right. Well, thank you guys for bearing with us uh, and uh, my boomer status now newly acquired. I feel feel very good about being a boomer these days. We'll talk about uh, the most popular Nashvilleian. I think somebody could win the mayoral race if she decided to run. Uh, I'll float that idea past you guys a little bit later on in the show, and we'll have lots of overreactions from the schedule release as well as rookie Titans rookie mini camp. So I would ask you normally, Zach, this is where I'd say, hey, how you been, man? How was your weekend? How, how are you doing? And um, instead, we uh, <laughs> we just pissed down our leg, or I pissed down my leg uh, on the show. So welcome, everybody, to a football show here, brought to you by the Kingston Group, buildkg.com. Normally, we're live from the Cast Collective studio. We'll be there on Thursday, hopefully this week, uh, as Zach has still not cleared protocols. So, But he's feeling better. You're looking better. And uh, my microphone is now working. So there's there you that. go. You're you're uh you were on IR for a little bit. You were like questionable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, something, <laughs> it was something in there. There's no 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 problem about that. Um, so we'll dive into um some overreactions from Titans rookie mini camp. And I did not go on Saturday or Sunday. I was out there on Friday, and I just want to before we get into sort of like what we saw and what we think, and Zach, what you saw and what what you think. I I, I just I was watching the press conferences. We had uh, Chig. We had Malik Willis, we had Hassan Haskins, we had Vrabel all there on Friday. And I've talked to the guys and men and women, Kim and Robbie specifically, that work in Titans PR that give us, and we've actually interviewed Robbie before on another show, check out Lanestream Sports, also F-Words Pod, Broadway Sports Media, all the great stuff. Um, We've actually talked to the guys that work for the Titans about how they sort of have to like coach up people. Um, new new players, rookies and stuff into like the media and how to answer questions and deal with the media. And Robbie has said a number of times, like, look, some guys come in ready to go and some kids need a lot of help to get ready to go. And I just want to say first, before we get started on what we saw on the field, like I, I think at college athletics programs, I don't know about you, Zach, but I think they do a, it's actually mistreating their players to not let them talk to the media. I think it's worse for fans. They don't learn about their favorite players in college football. I think these paranoid schizophrenic coaches who are egomaniacs think that they're going to say something wrong. And really they're just like wonderful, awesome young men. And if you don't coach them up to speak to the media, then they show up like Hassan Haskins on Friday and give like four word answers because they haven't had any practice doing this, even though they should be practicing doing this in real life. So that was my first observation was God, why do we force these college kids to not have a voice at all? It just drives me nuts. I thought it was uh, funny. A few people said that Hassan Haskins is the next Marshawn Lynch. And so because he doesn't want to talk at these uh, interviews and wants to give like one word answers that he's going to be awesome. And he's beast mode 2.0. I think that's a great way to kind of look at it. Um, Hassan Haskins is beast mode 2.0. Do we really need to even hear from Hassan Haskins anyway? I mean, he didn't obviously want to be up there. Every it seemed like to me that the media didn't even really care that he was up there. So, you know, who cares? Like, I I get what you're saying, though. But you look at the overall arching press conferences from including Chance Campbell, including Roger McCreary and Theo Jackson, Malik Willis and Chick. 
I mean, that was six six uh, interviews. Five of the six were awesome. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's a pretty good hit rate compared to what you normally get at these at these things across the league. And you know, I I get what you're saying though. I would like to get to know more about the player side of things because I believe it was the Bills put out a video of their combine interview with Kair Elam, which I don't know if I'm even saying his first name correctly because yeah, he's never right. in front of a press conference. Uh, <laughs> but he uh, comes out with this notebook and he's talking about with them. Here's every play that we ran. When I go through and watch film, I take notes. Here's what I did wrong. And here's why I need to correct. I mean, he pulls out this Florida Gators notebook and he goes, I don't know if you want to see it or not. I'm thinking, what a great story that would have been yeah. in college, right? And I think that, first off, more combine interviews need to be released. That one and the Kayvon Thibodeau one were great, phenomenal ones to watch. And I think more of those need to be released if they're good. Obviously, you don't want the bad ones out there. But I don't know. I kind of would like to see Dude. what did the Titans see in Isaiah Wilson at the Combine right. <laughs> that made him a first-round pick. That was the interview, right? They always reference is that interview yep. sold us on him. Well, I got to see that interview. Like, well, I, 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 Yes, it would be great. I, I just think, in general, you are a better fan, better media, and, and frankly, the player will develop like actual interview skills. And I'm not even talking about just with the media – like you have to go into life and get a job. You have to interview for jobs. You have to communicate if you want a professional adult life in this country. Like teaching young people how to handle answering questions in a pressure situation is a good skill for everyone to have. And I don't understand. It's all because the college football coaches are these paranoid, schizophrenic egomaniacs who want to control every single tiny tidbit of information that comes in and out of their program without realizing that they're actually doing their own athletes a disservice by not helping them to coach up that part of their game. Now, this is where I'm going to start with Malik Willis. I thought Malik Willis, while he walked to the podium, and I think you heard some of the joking where he was like very bright-eyed and bushy-tailed when he sat stepped in front of a, a group of reporters for the first time, really, in his career. At Liberty, you get some acts, you probably get more chances to talk than you do at like Auburn, but it's to a very selective small group of people that generally are probably on your side, right? Like, they're not going to ask you a bunch of tough questions. Well, this is different. This is the NFL. This is the Titans media throng. They're going to ask some good questions. And he actually gave it back to Glenn and I think, a little bit when he joked about Ryan Tannehill's comments. I think he answered everything very thoughtfully. He, he's making eye contact with everybody. I think he did everything you want to see in a professional setting from a quarterback in terms of how he handled himself. I think he could, like, he'll learn how to, like, project a little bit more and, like, be more sort of secure in his own delivery. But by and large, in terms of answering questions, handling some tricky ones, learn, doing this for the first time ever, it's not an easy thing to do. And I thought he handled himself very well. So um, my biggest takeaway from the Malik Willis thing is that he comes up with phrases and then you're going to see it all over Twitter. I saw so many white people on Twitter start using the phrase chop it up after he used it. Like, why? Yeah, no, one has phrase ever used it. no one has ever used chopping it up or chop it up. I saw Buck use it. Seriously? I saw another guy pressing. Nobody ever used it on Twitter, but they you... then they see oh, an athlete okay. do it. And then they're like, oh, I guess I can start using chop it up. I just have you never very funny. Have you ever heard that phrase? Yeah, I didn't okay, say I'll... I never heard that phrase. I've okay. never seen that phrase used on Twitter as much as it was used then. Oh, of course. In fact, I've never seen it said on Twitter by any of the people that said it that weekend. <laughs> 
I will admit I don't use it a lot, but I've definitely heard it and know what it means yeah. and would use it if I if I yeah. needed to, I suppose. Um, what was were there any more phrases on Twitter that you could? No, that was that was the uh, that was the big one of the weekend. It's just funny because you hear him. You never really hear it out in the wild a lot. Like you never really hear people say chop it up. And I was like, oh, that's pretty funny that he uses that term or that phrase. I haven't heard that phrase used in a while. Then I yeah. saw, see everybody using it. I'm chopping it up with this person. I'm chopping it up with that person. Are, are yeah. You, well, I'm going to go you? to the, well, I, like if I went to the bar and bought a beer with you, we'd go chop it up about the Titans. Like that's, yeah. that seems like a normal yeah, but way you to wouldn't use say it. that. We, we hung no. out and talked Titans. Right. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I, I, the other one, I thought you were going to go this direction. Cause Kayla, Kayla Anderson asked him about like his body. Yeah. He got a little <laughs> on his body. It's no, he, got, and he was like, he was like, what? Cause I'm swole or something like that. And I thought <laughs> yeah. that's what you meant was going to yeah. come out you know all over Twitter. all of a sudden people are swollen i'm like that was like a thing in like 1997 like yeah swole I, is... I know swole yeah, yeah. Swole. Swole. listen we know how to work the internet cameras yeah. and microphones and we know about swole yeah. okay i um, just thought it was very funny that the trend was chop it up from yeah. titans media weekend yeah well and vrabel of course wrapped it all up with i think the most important not really the most important but like one of the more important things uh about the media's interaction which is just he basically said that they were talking about the stupid mentoring thing. And he was just like, yeah, it's not his job. I'm like, yeah. thank you, Mike. Thank you for just letting us all know the thing that we already needed to know anyway. And the national media just still doesn't, doesn't understand. Well, I, um, I think it's important to hear that Tannehill's boss said that's not his job because everybody <laughs> kept putting the words in saying, no, it is Tannehill's job. No, he, it's his boss dictates what his job is. And like we said, his job is to go and win games, not to be a mentor. His job has always been, and as Vrabel and Robinson have consistently said this every yes. second of their job, of their time at the Titans, your job as a veteran is to do enough to keep your job. Their job as a, the backup is to try to do something to take your job. That's it. That's that's yeah. that's the game. And even Vrabel said on, on Friday at the press conference, he said, we're always trying to find younger, faster, cheaper, better players. Like, that's yeah. our job. <laughs> like, like, that's it. Um, so it's speaking, not that complicated. Speaking of media, how do you think they handled the uh, asthma gate of Tra Traylon Burks? So I was actually st I was probably standing like six feet away from Traylon Burks, maybe fifteen feet away. I don't, I don't I'm not good with distances or cameras and microphones. Apparently, um, I was about fifteen feet away, and I actually have video of the drill he did right before he like hunched over. And like honestly, I didn't. This is sort of like the Malik Willis mentor comment. Like I saw it happen. And it was a it was hot as shit on Friday. It was it was ridiculously hot, and we've had a really nice mild spring. It it was very hot, and he kind of like just walked into the facility and like I just didn't think anything of it. And then he you know the the press is all sitting there going, oh where where did Burks go? Where where's where's Burks? Where's Burks? He comes back. He ran a couple of eleven on eleven drills. He had a fine second day on Saturday. I. You know, I to me, it's like another one of those non stories. Like, I just don't. Well, like, I, I he comes out with an inhaler and something around his neck. Dude obviously had an asthma attack and he does have a history of asthma. And so to me, that's a, the easy connection to make. Not that he's necessarily out of shape, which is what everybody's wanted to run with or that he's not used to the Tennessee heat or anything like that. He had an asthma attack. You, if he was dehydrated or tired, you wouldn't need an inhaler. Like yeah, it doesn't yeah. take really a Sherlock to come in here and connect these dots. And now I see that people, you know, are turning this into a story of his conditioning, of his issues. As uh, we lean back to the combine, I see people saying that they don't even know why he left. Well, I mean, 
come on, let's let's use some knowledge and put some context clues together. I guess that's I didn't think it was that big of a deal. And I was in a group chat and I said, until he is out, we'll see what he what happens the next day. Until he's on an injury report, I'm not worried about what happened that day. I said, it sounds like to me he had an asthma attack. And inhaler, something over your neck, a cooling towel or wet towel or ice pack over yeah. your neck signals that. Well, and no I big deal. And I wouldn't even want to like speculate as to whether or not that was true yeah. or not. Yeah. Like, unless they say so, what I think would be actually concerning to your point about why it's not a big deal, soft tissue injury. Yeah. Soft, soft tissue injury would have been a, a concern, a, a hamstring, a growing, you know, those kinds of things that we've seen for so many of these players, Corey Davis and AJ Brown and Julio Jones. Um, my, my initial reactions, I, I've covered Traylon Burks. I've never been next to him. and He is bigger than AJ Brown. Like he just, right. he just, he's he like just what, is. two inches, three inches bigger. He, he's bigger across the board. He's, he's, he's got wider everything. <laughs> I don't want to start talking about his rippling thighs, but like they, he's AJ Brown is not a small man. And Trey Lumberg's is bigger in every possible way. Um, wider, taller, you know, all this stuff. Um, Roger McCreary. I don't know if you want me to stay on Burks or, or continue to move on here, but Roger McCreary is, thin a much smaller he's gonna have to get in the weight room um like compared to even elijah molden i thought elijah molden was was sort of more built coming out of college but he is quick man he he is quick and was i i'm i gotta be careful with what i say i he he looked like a first team rookie camper if it's if that's what i'm allowed to say here um there's certain things we can and can't say from practice but he looked really really quick kyle phillips looked really really good and you know really tight crisp player professional as we predicted uh on last thursday's show so um i i i just don't think that the burks thing was that big of a story I, and and i think willis was really the guy that that we should talk about and from from an on-field perspective um i would say nicholas Pet petite frere um I would I would assume that he, as we've said on this show, that tackle is going to be his position. That's what I would I would lean towards tackle if I had to guess where he is going to play uh, at some point in the near future. Um, Theo Jackson is the opposite of, uh, <laughs> of is the opposite of Roger McCreary. Looks really slow in individual drills, but is just he's just a gamer, man. The, the lights go on. They're in eleven on eleven, and he makes plays. Had a pick, I think a pick six in eleven on eleven off Malik Willis on Saturday. Um, you know, Chance Campbell, as you said, it's all, it's just all over the field, always around the football. <laughs> there you go. So let's talk about Malik Willis. Cause I do, there is one other question about Burks that I have, but I'm going to save it for the end. Okay. Uh, let's talk about Malik Willis, uh, center exchange issues, but that is with Xavier Newman Johnson, who's only played, I think like three games, maybe even just one game at center in his college career since he's played. So not a known center. They obviously have no chemistry. I felt like that was getting a little overblown as well. But I thought his answers at the press conference where he said that that's no no big deal. So we worked on it. No big, I mean, not going to be an issue. And I agree. Your exchange centers, you center to quarterback exchange your, at snap with a guy that's not even probably going to make the team isn't yeah. that big of an issue. It's how you overcome that. And that's what the Titans always have said. It's how you overcome your mistakes. And it sounds like to me that Malik did a good job overcoming that mistake. Um, and I don't have it written down in front of me, but the guy from SMU, the offensive lineman, Howard, uh, yeah, Hayden Howerton, Hayden Howerton. Um, he also had a fumble snap with him, I think at one point. So 
I listen, Friday was just very sloppy. It like there were false starts. Once they got to 11 on 11, it was very sloppy. Like it, it just, and I, I, and even Vrabel said, that's kind of what you expect. Right. When you have a bunch of rookies who have never <laughs> practiced together on this team in this organization with these plays before you're going to get a lot of sloppiness. And what we can say about Willis is I think the areas that are going to be of biggest concern that we talked about last week on the show, I think are the areas that they were clearly focused on, which is center quarterback exchange playing under center. Number two, play action. So getting his footwork down on where the ball needs to go on a play action pass. Does it need to go right? Does it need to go off tackle? Is it inside zone? Like he, he worked a lot on that. And, um, uh, going through progressions, he worked a lot with Pat O'Hara, the quarterback's coach, on where to go. Um, they would have him drop back, and he'd, he'd be yelling one, two, three, four, and he'd try to read and go to that progression. He's got a couple of things about Willis' physical skills. Built like a truck, no question. He's definitely shorter than you think. He's shorter than me. I, I am almost six one, like by an eighth of an inch. I'm basically six one. He is definitely shorter than me. Um, so six foot, I, I would guess, is about right for him. Um the arm didn't wow me at first, but it, it start, I started to see it more as he got comfortable in the practice. And I think over the weekend, you could see the arm strength come around. I think he was really tentative at first because it was his first practice as a pro. So I think it's fair to sort of have some leeway with a lot of these guys. Um, I think a really mature, savvy kid in the huddle. Um, I, again, I think footwork is going to be his biggest problem. I mean, this is the thing that he worked on the, the most, I think. And... He does this. He does a couple of weird things when he throws, and I don't know if you've noticed this at all. Well, I noticed. I was about to say I noticed that he had this thing where he was getting up on his toes when he was throwing. Like he was kind of like he was throwing it. Uh, this does not look like what he's doing, but he's like throwing it and trying to like get up and over. It felt yes. like when he was so, on his, th- you know, throws. Uh, this, this is assumption because we can't hear the coach all the time. We can hear Todd Downing yelling, but we couldn't hear Pat O'Hara talking. Like when they're just sort of the two of them talking, right? But a lot of times what it looked like they were doing is trying to get him to firmly plant the back foot and drive off that back foot. And again, just an assumption on my part from from watching the game, because he does this weird thing. With, like you said, his his back throwing leg kind of comes up a little bit. Yeah. when he Like it does this weird kind of like kick out when he throws. And I don't know if that's causing him to lose sort of like the finish. Like, and you know how a pitcher right. throws a curveball and has to like really break the wrist. Right. I think there's something in his finish that's maybe changing either direction or intensity of the pass. He also pats the ball every time. Every time he throws, there's a, there's like a quick double pat. So I don't, that may some, the one that really was like, he changes arm slot sometimes too, which could be a incredible asset if he's good enough and accurate enough. Same thing with the footwork. Once you're good enough, throwing off platform is fine, right? Like Aaron Rodgers throws off platform. Patrick Mahomes throws off plat- yeah. platform. Once you're good enough at being on platform, then you can go off platform if that if that makes any sense. So he does he he kind of change like when he's rolling, he changes his arm slot a yeah. little bit, and I think that he did causes, that in his college tape too. You can tell I, that he he tries yeah. to he changes it on the fly, and so I think they're going to try to coach that stuff out of him so that he can kind of hone in on being fundamentally sound. And then once he's fundamentally sound, I think the goal is at that point you can kind of let him do what he wants to do because he's a, he's such a good athlete. On the few clips that I saw on the internet, it looked like to me that he did a really good job of, you know, doing the fake on the play action and then like only taking two steps and throwing. Did did, did that translate to, was that part of the whole thing or did you see maybe that clip doesn't tell the whole story of what you no, saw I, the whole time? I think the clunky part is the transition from the fake 
to the platform. If, if again, as a non-expert here, he gets to the fake point, I think, really quickly and really efficiently. Like he takes his three steps. He's looking at his, the right place. He's got the right hand out and all that stuff. It's from the time that you pull the ball back in to turning and planting and being set. He does it quickly, but I don't think they like how he's doing it from a fundamental standpoint. So I, gotcha. these are these are t- to me, these are tiny little things that rookie camp is designed <laughs> right. to, co- to coach out of you. Um, at quarterback, it's trickier because throwing motions are sort of natural. You know, like it's harder to coach. Like Philip Rivers is not going to all of a sudden be throwing it over the top of his head. You know, like he's right. going to throw it. He's going to throw it down here. So it'll be fascinating to watch his how he throws the football and executes these drops. How that evolves over the summer camp. I think it's going to be fun to watch. Uh, I think Kyle Phillips and Reggie Roberson are two guys that we we have to, a little bit of time to talk about here. And and Shig, I think those should be the last three. Maybe it's all collective. Okay. But obviously, like you yeah. said, Kyle Phillips. Everybody's all in love with Kyle Phillips, and I love Kyle, Kyle Phillips too. And I like him. I think he's gonna be great. Um, he did what he is known to do: good route runner, good with his feet, good timing. Um, he only ha- got, I think, got yelled at once from reports that I've heard. Uh, Jim White talked about that uh, he let a ball get to his chest, but it was only one out of the many that was thrown to him. Takeaways about Kyle Phillips, real quick. Yeah, I mean, un- unfortunately, we predicted this on Thursday, and it's yeah. it's just true. He is the consummate professional. He does everything exactly the way he's been coached to do it. Doesn't need to be asked to do a drill a second time. Catches the ball with his hands out away from his body. Catches the doesn't mind catching the ball in traffic. Doesn't mind playing underneath and in the, like in the dirty areas. So I think everything we we think about Kyle Phillips is true. Is he good enough to play in the NFL? I I don't know yet. I I think he's. He, he's going to give himself as good a chance as possible. Let, let's put it that way. Um, I think uh, Chigakonkwu is like, th- there's a lot to work on blocking and they're going to, and Vrabel even said as much, but just like the pure athleticism is there. It's just, you can just see it. It's just obvious. Yeah. Um, as we talked about last week on the show, uh, a really hard worker too was willing to get back in the hut. Vrabel said, after, said this after the practice, like, Totally exhausted, still busting his ass to get back into the huddle and go run another route, even though it wasn't thrown to him. So I think you can see all that stuff, but they are going to have to get him bigger and stronger if they want him to be an inline blocker. Because like, if you stood him next to Jeff Swaim, I'm not a Jeff Swaim stan. I know you love him, but if you stood those guys next to each other, like you would say, you'd be like, "That's a professional athlete. That's a that's a young man. <laughs> you know, like he's he's got a he's got some growing to do uh, in terms of a professional weight facility." Um, and then Roberson is. I don't think this was a big surprise that like his speed and his quickness and his fluidity stood out. I don't yeah. think that's a, I don't, I think you were kind of talking about him last week before camp, but it, he is lightning quick. Um, if he good, is good, good enough, footwork, and there was a video where he yeah. caught the ball, like without stopping uh, yeah. on one of those yeah. drills where they come out from underneath the little tent or whatever. I thought that was excellent. I just, I just am so glad to see, that he was able to make it the whole weekend without any injury issues. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So if he's healthy, I think that there is a skill set there that things that he does that not everybody else does on this roster, which is the speed of course, uh for him there. Yeah, I don't think I mean Roger McCrary, I I can't think of anything else. Otherwise it, it was it was sloppy, it was supposed to be sloppy. They're all better by Sunday. They've got a long way to go and and, and I think I think Vrabel was was perfectly happy with everything he saw so well and the um, big thing is as happy as you can be the thing about training camp and the thing about these mini camps and 11 11s those 11 11s typically favor the defense throughout the whole offseason and that's the big thing because you always hear about all these interceptions being thrown and all this 
it's a lot easier for the defense than it is maybe for the offense. And most of these uh, 11-11s, kind of like how the one-on-ones favor the wide receiver more so than the defensive back, typically. Let me, let me ask you a quick ph- philosophical question about yeah. practice versus a game. And I was having this discussion with like Rex Road and a few other guys. Do you believe, like, you know how we talk about gamers in college, right? Yeah. Like guys that don't practice well at all. They don't look like they're pra- good practicers. And then all of a sudden, Saturday rolls around. They get into a college football stadium. The light goes on, and they're good. It's kind of like Julio Jones. I mean, Julio Jones <laughs> is the definition of a gamer. He was not great at practicing. No, no real good work ethic. But I mean, you turn on the tape and you turn on the games, and he was always there making plays. I, I think, I don't think it goes. I don't think it's funny. You just bring up a pro athlete, but I, I don't think I've seen that in the professional ranks. It can, it can go the other way. Yeah. Case in point, Blaine Gabbert. Blaine Gabbert looked like he was designed out of a laboratory to be a professional quarterback every practice I've ever seen him. Like, huge arm, right reads, great throws, great drops, footwork, athleticism, everything was perfect. And then they got into 11-on-11 or the uh, a game, and, like, it just all fell to pieces. I don't think it goes the other way in the NFL, honestly. At, at the quarterback position, I don't think there are guys who practice terribly and then just can turn it on in the game. Yeah, I would say that's probably right for the quarterback position. I think there are other pl- uh, players that can um, that can practice really well and be really awful in a game. Uh, I think Chester Rogers, one of those guys who everybody thought, well, all these practice reports says this guy is going to be a great wide receiver three, and he was a horrible wide receiver three. And I think that you, I but think I a think lot goes, of people, but I, I don't think, think it, it. Go ahead. Well, I don't think it goes the other way though. You don't that think that sense? there are bad wide receivers or defensive backs or linebackers that look bad at practice that play well? I, I feel like there there is. And maybe there are at other positions. So maybe I do need to confine it. Yeah, I, I think quarterback, quarterback you're 100% right. I, okay. think, I think if you're your quarterback, you're 100% right. But I think there are other players in other positions that uh, can oftentimes look a little out of sorts in practice but turn it on in a game. But it's not a consistent thing. It's just something like – I feel like sometimes training camp gets a little too overblown with yeah. uh, other players at other positions being bad in practice and then turn it on and then oh they're going to be bad the rest of the year or being good in practice are going to be awesome. And then it hardly ever turns out that way. There's always a middle ground of players that you just kind of have to know. Chester Rogers, Marcus Johnson, they're just dudes. They're not going to be anything yeah, more yeah. than just dudes. Yeah. That They got blown up the most in training camp last year. And it was utterly ridiculous. And I told everybody it was utterly ridiculous. And I just, it's another another thing in a long list of that I have amassed and piled up where I am right. And it's oh, just, it's, okay. I got it. I'm running out of ink, running out of paper. Yeah. Yeah. The cloud is full. My Are you okay? Are yeah. You it's okay? Just, just a lot to keep up with. Are you going to make it? You got some room on the shelves back there. Yeah. Move some of the black key stuff out of the way. Put some more of those describings in there. What um, do you feel about the trail and Burks not being made available? Cause that seemed to crawl, get in the crawl of media on Saturday. You saw a lot of these tweets. They were just like, Burks was not made available to us on Saturday. Well, and I would, this goes back to our Tannehill conversation. This goes to right now, David Poyle and John Hines for the Nashville Predators should have, they should have had a press conference already by now after losing last Monday, a week ago in the Stanley cup finals, they have yet to even send out an email to us. I haven't checked since we've gone live, but like, they have not even told us when they're going to be available. They need to speak to the fans because of what's taking place. I think Traylon Burks is in the same category, not because of what that's happened. A, that's the Titans' choice, right? That's not his choice. It, it it probably is. I would say that's not because of what happened on Friday, though. Like I, yeah. it, I don't 
give a shit about Friday. <laughs> like, I don't care that he had whatever it might be. Again, I don't even want to speculate asthma, dehydration, what, whatever. Um, I, I just think it's you're the number one pick. Unfortunately for him, and this is not fair for him, but the AJ Brown thing is going to come, you know, follow him around his whole career. I still think your number one pick should be made available. I know he was at, they had like their own press conference for him right. right after the draft when he flew into Nashville and they did an entire press conference. So maybe, maybe not, but I'd like to know what he felt about practice. Like, how did he feel about being on a practice field? What does he think about the system? What does he think about uh, some of the development of, of his game relative to what the Titans are going to ask him to do? Like, there's just some interesting schematic stuff that you can talk to now that he's an actual employee of the team. Right. right. And, and, and so I, I think he should be available. So, but that, that to me, I mean, it, it, it kind of got people riled up apparently. And I'm just like, well, I mean, I'm sure you're going to talk to him at some point. Yes. Right. I yes. mean, that's just, I guess I'm just very pragmatic in my approach because I'm not there, you know, sweltering out in the hot sun or leaving steeplechase to go, go to practice and then going back to steeplechase. Um, I feel bad for those people that have to, you know, make all these concessions and be out there and not get what they're hoping for. But again, is it is it worth it enough to put out a tweet like that? Like I don't know. I just I, it, I it, would, makes, it makes the the reporter or the media person look a little, uh, yeah, petty. Well, it all what it all, what also is interesting is it allows people like us. I'm going to use media fans as a, like a collective, just people that aren't, you know, don't work for the team. It allows us to speculate as to why you're not doing that. Yeah. And the speculation is, well, you don't want him answering questions about what happened on Friday. Right. And that, and that, that's the way it looks. That's the optics of it. I don't, you know, again, he was going to have to, Hey, what happened? Like, I can tell you how the press conference would unfold. It would be like, Hey, uh, you had to step into the facility on, on Friday. Like everything. Okay. You doing all right. How you feeling? What went wrong? which Vrabel doesn't want to answer about injuries anyway. And Burke's probably going to give a stock answer on that. Uh, hey, how was Saturday? Oh, things were better. Blah, 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 blah. And like, we move on to Sunday. Well, how come nobody's up in arms at NPF or um, Kyle Phillips weren't made available? I would guess it's because Traylon Burks is the number one pick, plays a premium position, and had to leave practice on Friday. I mean, I would like, like to hear it. from NPF and Kyle Phillips, you know? Yeah, I agree with you. I agree with you. <laughs> they should have made all the rookies available, in my opinion. You know, all the main rookies that were drafted. But they didn't. It's not the player's fault. And I feel like right. sometimes these tweets get misconstrued that the that it's the that they're mad at the player. Yeah, I am too. That's not the, the, the point of the tweet. I think maybe the point of the tweet is to get, you know, let the Titans know, hey, you guys need to, you know, help your players out and help us out. Uh, great question, by the way. If you want to chime in, of course, all the, the comments, you can comment everywhere. Donnie. <laughs> Asked a great question about does Titans PR ever tell reporters what questions are off limits? And no, uh, the answer is is no. Now they have specific rules on what we can and cannot report on in the practice. Anything that is schematic or competitive advantage or anything like that, like we can't report on it. I can say whatever I want about Malik Willis's throwing motion uh, or that his first like seven passes they seem to fl flutter a little bit and he didn't have great you know touch on those balls or whatever. But I can't say like. Oh, and again, this is not true, so I'm not <laughs> saying it. Like, oh, they're they're only running a, a Konkwu with Malik Willis on boots to the left out of the inline slot on on corner routes. Like, I can't say that kind of stuff. Um, so, but they've never told them. What, what you have to do with Vrabel is you have to learn how to you have to learn how to ask him questions. I don't particularly find much value in press conferences, so I don't ask any questions. But 
Um, if you get somebody in a one-on-one situation, a lot of times they're way more willing to have like a regular human interaction with you. Um, and so, no, like I've done interviews with players before and they've never once told me what I can and can't say to anybody. And I don't think they ever have to anybody else. I, I can't speak definitively, but I would guess that that's, that they've never said anything. It, it, there are observed rules and regulations. And as long as every party follows sort of the observed rules and regulations, it's kind of up to Vrabel to say, we don't talk about injuries. Stop asking me that stupid question <laughs> or, or, or for the reporter to keep badgering. And then all of a sudden Vrabel says F you and walks off, you yeah. know, like, so you got two paths to choose. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um, so th- I think that's, I think you're right. Everyone should be made available. Just have a conversation with everybody about their first weekend as a professional athlete. I think that's a good, a, a good thing to do for, for rookies, especially drafted ones. Um, anything else you want to know about how no. hot, how stinking hot it was? No, no, I, I went outside. Yeah, I was outside. Uh, <laughs> I, had, I had, I, I, we had a walk with the, the wife and the kids. Actually, I stayed off Twitter like all weekend. It was surprising. Um, I had to pitch my daughter's softball game, you know, had to, had to go to the, my, my other kids soccer game. It was nice to be outside, went to dinner on Saturday night. It was nice to be outside, um, uh, over the weekend and not on Twitter. Um, however, if you have a problem with your house and you need some big work done on it, go to the Kingston group, buildkg.com. I didn't give them enough love at the beginning of the show, Zach. All right. You want to well, talk? I, I did. I did some, uh, love for you as well. Oh, you did? Yeah. <laughs> when I was having some issues, some personal yeah. problems. Um, all right. You want to talk schedule here? Let's do it. No win loss predictions right off the bat. If you want win loss predictions, go tune into like the 50 other shows and podcasts that cover the Tennessee Titans. Cause they're all going to do it. And they're all going to be wrong because you don't know what any of these teams are actually going to be <laughs> like. That's the whole thing with me is like, you're not going to know. I've learned now every, every year I get more and more, um, less fascinated with certain things about the, the Titans and that revolve around the Titans and the NFL. One of them is win loss predictions. I'm out on it. You know, who cares? You're going to win some games. You're going to lose some games. And you're probably, you know, like if they lost to the giants, I wouldn't even be that surprised, but if they no, went on a big not. long win streak, I wouldn't be that surprised. Like at this point, I think win-loss predictions are probably one of the most fruitless, pointless, uncreative things that anybody can do in media, on Twitter, on the radio. It does not matter. It is it is utterly ridiculous. Let, let me. I, comp- I I love that so much. You could not. You don't understand how much I love that because there's a very there's very few soapbox is- box issues I've had throughout my career where I just see the media do them and I don't understand why. And fans are, are guilty of this as well. It's not just media. It's everybody. Right. It's all of us. But like mock drafts are one of them. Like I don't understand the mock draft thing. I don't understand the love of the mock draft. But bowl games in college football, uh, people thinking that the result of a bowl game somehow leads to success or failure the next season that you play. Don't understand that. And then and then going through the schedule, like in co- this is what's interesting. In college football, when we put our magazine together, you have to go through the schedule and go win-loss, win-loss, win-loss. Most of the time, it's like 11 wins and one loss. So you're trying to find the one game Bama's going to lose, right? Or the one game Georgia might lose. The difference in the NFL and college football, and this is drives me insane that people don't get this, every schedule in the NFL is the same. Every single one. They're all exactly the same. College is very different. The talent differential and gap between the best teams and the worst teams is astronomically huge. The talent gap between the Jets... One of the worst teams in the AFC last year, right? Fair. Fair. And the Titans, by definition, the best team in the AFC last year. What was the gap? Zero, because the Jets won the game. 
<laughs> so, well, there's injuries that happen. There's so much that goes into a season that you cannot predict. When you look at the schedule last year, you're talking about Cardinals, Seahawks, Colts, Jets. You're thinking, okay, they get out maybe three and one, maybe four and zero, oh, and they end up getting out two and two. Like we also look at it like this: Jets, Texans. We're going to be two easy wins, right? And obviously, they played yeah. the Texans twice. They lost to both of them. And then everybody wants to talk about, you know, before the season where they're playing the Bills, the Chiefs, the Rams, and all those teams back to back to back to back. Oh, you'll you'll be lucky to make it out. If you make it out of that two and two, you'll you'll be on, you know, cloud nine. And they they swept it. So you just don't know what the team is going to be. And I don't think that there is any real what you need to be looking at. Like, wait, before can we? I want to add yeah. one more thing to like because you're about to pr- transition into like what's smart and what we should actually be paying attention to. Yeah, I want to add one more thing to like the list of things that are just so stupid. Please don't listen to them. These are the empty calories on Twitter that you shouldn't consume. The win and loss percentage to dictate how strong your schedule is from the year right. before is the dumbest thing I've ever seen. Like, if you were playing the Bengals last year, you would be chalking it up as a win. And you would have looked at it as, oh, that that that's that's lowering my strength of schedule by playing the Bengals. Now we look at it; they're on the schedule this year, week twelve. Now you're playing the AFC defending champs. <laughs> like, right? You you cannot use win percentage from the year before to dictate how difficult or easy your schedule is going to be in the NFL. It's just so stupid. Sorry. I mean, you got to look at stuff like prep days, rest differential. Those things are matter. You know, maybe your bye week matters. I don't really know if it does for this particular team because here's the thing about this Tennessee Titans team is that it's a great roster in my opinion. It's one of the a, a very good complete roster right now. And last year when they were playing 91 different players and had a technically a worse roster, they were winning games. And it all goes down to Mike Vrabel at this point. Mike Vrabel is a schedule buster, if you want to call it that. Yeah. It doesn't matter. He does not look ahead. He does not care. Like they, uh, again, someone asked him at the press conference about, hey, the schedule came out. What do you think about the schedule? I don't know how doesn't many care. times he has to tell you. He doesn't fucking give a shit about the schedule. <laughs> he just doesn't. And these, I don't know why you feel the need that you have to ask him or have him look ahead. Well, you know. You guys play the Colts this this week, and then you're playing the Chiefs next week. You know, well, how do you think that's going to? He doesn't care. He's focused on the Colts, or he's focused on the Chiefs. That's why the schedule for the Titans. I I don't think that there is a real. There's not a real thing you can zone in on that you can say, well, this is going to hurt the Titans or this is going to help the Titans because they're just prepared for whatever the week brings them. Right. It's all about preparation, which is to me is the difference between professional football when you have 53 paid millionaires playing against 53 paid millionaires and college football where you have just vast differences of of talent. And um, a couple of things that I um, and you 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 already mentioned this with the bye week, like last year's team, it was probably good last year to have the bye week when it was because they had so many injuries. Derrick Henry was hurt. Like all these things happen. Right. This year, if you were to let's say, I mean, Heaven forbid Ryan Tannehill tears a, does something and he's out for six weeks and it happens in the middle of camp. Well, you'd be happy to have that bye week early in the season because then that that eats up one of those weeks that he can't play. So it almost even it even just goes year to year on what your team could benefit from or not benefit from from a from a bye week standpoint. 
uh, I mean, I think you you've said this, I think, but they've had bye weeks early and late and lost in the first round of the playoffs. Yeah. Both 2020 the early week four, 2021, very late week 13, both lost their first playoff game that they got to play. It does to me. Yeah. I, and I think, I don't know what the players prefer. Cause I know that they prefer, <coughs> excuse me, probably somewhere in the smack dab in the middle, but probably. I, I don't know if there's a competitive advantage to anything. How about because, this? Because they were winning the games through the hardest part of their schedule leading into their bye week last year. How, how about this? Having your mini bye after your Thursday night game and your real bye being separated is probably sound strategy, that's, right? That's probably sound strategy. But they, but I will say this. The Titans actually have, compared to 2021, a better schedule in terms of number of games in a season where they have over a week to prepare, so prep days and rest days. They have a better schedule than last year, which to me is the, the best part about it because everybody's looking at the schedule and say, well, this schedule is way tougher than last year. I how don't do know, know necessarily. You know? <laughs> yeah, first off, I don't know how you know that, but necessarily when you're comparing Indian or you're comparing, let's see, Kansas City, Denver, Green Bay, Cincinnati as a four-game stretch to the four-game stretch where they win against the Bills, the Chiefs, the Colts, and the Rams, which one's tougher? That last year. I think last, last year's, year's yeah. tougher. And what'd they do? They won them. They won all four of them. <laughs> so I in those games that I mentioned uh last year were October leaning into November 7th. And this one is just a, a basically November 6th. It's just picking up a, a, a week later where that one ended. Yeah, cr- and Chris. <laughs> and when you talk about it, Kansas City is going through uh they're coming off a of bye. But they're going through seven really tough games. The Kansas City Chiefs and their schedule is really tough. They're doing the uh, the Cardinals, the Chargers, the Colts, Tampa Bay, Las Vegas Raiders, Buffalo Bills, San Francisco 49ers, a bye week, and then the Titans. So I know everybody wants to point to those seven games, but they're also getting a bye week in between that. To me, it's great for the Titans because the Titans are going to have – they're just going to be – they're going to be fresh and ready to go. Like they're, they're, they're playing games. I feel like when these teams can often lose a little momentum coming off a of bye. So if they go through that really hard stretch, you don't know what that, that schedule is going to look like for Kansas city. Really right. what they came out one and six out of that schedule. Well, so I would point to, and I did circle that, <clears throat> that, that chunk of games, right? It's obvious right. that, that you go bye week and then you go Colts Texans. So ideally a Colts is probably an even match. And then the Texans, you hopefully win that game on the road. But then you go Kansas City, Denver, Green Bay, Cincinnati. And then that Green Bay game's on a Thursday, so it's a short week. But that game is less important than the Denver and the Cincinnati games because this is what I have circled, uh, Zach, and I want to know what you think about this. Buffalo, Vegas, Kansas City, Denver, Cincinnati, and the Chargers. Those six games are tiebreaker games. Yep. They are no all poten- they're all potential playoff teams. They're all in the AFC. So if you want to circle games that are more important outside of your division, because we know the Colts are incredibly important games, it is about those six games, and three of them will happen in that stretch, Kansas City, Denver, Green Bay, Cincinnati. The one that's not as important is the one that you're having short rest, so that's good. And the one that might be the most important, Cincinnati, especially from a you're at home, revenge, playoffs, narrative, blah, 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 that's the one you get the extra time to prepare for. So to me, it's about the the Chargers. It's about the two at the beginning, Buffalo and Vegas, back-to-back. 
and then it's about that stretch and then the division. And so uh, to me, it's about the the tiebreaker games. Those are the ones that I care the most about. Um, we can get into prime time versus not playing on Saturdays at noon, <laughs> you know, like or whatever. So I don't I, like the the times don't really do much for me. It's more about I. There's no way to permit. And Chris said this in our in our comment section. He said no, November looks rough, so naturally the Titans will go four and zero. Like that's right. That, this is where we're at with trying to predict wins and losses with scheduling. It's, it's you have to look at the, the m- much bigger details. I, I think everybody's chalking up the Giants as an automatic win, and I think that is a very dangerous opponent as an opener because you don't have film on this Giants team. Any of them? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> but specifically this Giants team, like right. No, because, that's what I that's what I mean. This Giants yeah. team, you have no film on any of it. Yeah, no, no film on any of it. You may be able to look at you know, Buffalo, because you prepare for Buffalo and prepare for this team the same way, but you don't have, it's a totally different set of weapons, totally different set of coaches at the helm. And that matters. I I think that chalking that up as an easy win is really underestimating what Brian Dable can do and what this team can do as it's week one. I always say week one is a liar. And that's because you have these weird upsets that happen at a high rate all across the league on week one. And then those teams totally flip their dichotomy the rest of the season. And to me, that is one of these games. I'm not chalking that up as an easy win. And I'm not putting out the round possibility that Giants come in and win by three points, win by a touchdown. It's entirely possible because they have problems with quarterbacks that are mobile. And Brian Dayball knows how to use Daniel Jones, in my opinion. And I'll add I'll add another one into that that category, which is at Philadelphia, because I that, think that's a win. There, AJ Brown won't even play. <laughs> it probably he's got a hurt knee already. Yeah. Um, I just think there's there's it, it it you're coming off the toughest stretch of your season in theory, very emotional home game against Cincinnati, and then you have to go to Philadelphia before you play a, a Jacksonville team at home in a in a divisional game. Now I like the finish of the season. If you had to, if you if you said, hey, do you like or do you like or hate the end of the year? I, I I think it's a solid finish. There's a couple of tough games in there. You get divisional opponents. Now, here's my other question about about and that's not question, but comment about how stupid win percentage is. Teams are very different in December and January than they are in September and and, and Titans October. are one of the best teams in December. They are, but where is Jacksonville? And this is why I think the Colts discussion is interesting. Where do you want to? When do you want to play the Colts? And when do you want to play Jacksonville? I actually would prefer to be playing Jacksonville at the beginning of the year because I think they are going to get better throughout the course of the year. So I think playing Jacksonville at the end of the year is not great, but it's still better than playing Kansas City or Buffalo. <laughs> so I think the finish to the season when they go Jacksonville, Chargers, Texans, Cowboys, Jaguars. I think that's a pretty solid finish, but I think the assumption that that's this just this easy cakewalk because Jacksonville's in there twice. They've added a lot of talent. They've changed their coaching staff. They've got they are going to be a better football team, and so as that year goes along, I think Jacksonville will be playing its best at the end. So I don't think it's as easy as people think, but I do like the finish. I think that this whole anger about the Colts being early, I think it's all faux outrage. Like, I think it is just the most ridiculous thing to be angry about. I don't think it really matters when when you play the Colts. You play the Colts, you play the Colts. You're Why are people angry, angry about it? Because they, it's, they're early in the year and it's back-to-back. They want the Colts at the end of the year or something like that. And I'm thinking, to me, 
you'd rather have them at the beginning of the year, but you'd rather just have those games in a review mirror because how good did it feel that the Titans swept them? Yeah. And you didn't have to worry about it. Tiebreakers or anything, you had them. You you had the tiebreakers. All you had to do was just win your games and take care of your business. You didn't even have to worry about the Colts. And this these people forget that. And I don't understand. I just don't get it. I don't what, get what, what if, why people get mad over stupid stuff. I don't get why, because <laughs> it's just one of those things. Oh, the, they're doing a disservice to the fans that the Colts are playing in October and November. Who gives a fuck? <laughs> like, what, what if Jonathan Taylor? What if Jonathan Taylor tweaks a hamstring in week two? Yeah, you okay with playing the Colts early then? Right. <laughs> I mean, just stuff like that. It does not matter. It just doesn't matter. It doesn't matter to me from a rivalry perspective because I really just don't even think that it's that big i think people are overplaying the rivalry that is the colts game i think the bills is the rivalry now i i think that 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 is what it is and i think it's the number one rivalry going for the titans except for when they play the ravens because that always overshadows everything the chiefs ravens fans i don't i mean it's is it a rivalry i i i mean it's a good cop a good game good competition i mean i don't know if i consider a a hated heated rivalry between the fan base so why is buffalo a heated rivalry and not kansas city oh the buffalo fans and titans fans do not get along and buffalo fans come in and they always brag about taking over the city and doing this and that isn't that just buffalo isn't that just buffalo with everybody though like Buffalo, well, it may kinda, be, but I mean, they're just kind of angry. It's it's, he, it's a heated moment on the uh, on. The, okay. I think I think for good rivalries, your fans have to be involved, and I don't think Chiefs fans and Titans fans are that involved with each other. That's that's fair. I think you also to have a great rivalry. I think you have to have postseason history, and yeah. while there is some postseason history, obviously dating back to the early '90s or late '90s with Buffalo, with the miracle. The Chiefs, they've played twice in the playoffs the last couple of years. And one has won one, and the other one has won the other. So I, I think there's there's a lot of intrigue in to me with Kansas City. Also, Kansas City's the, the standard, right? They're the AFC, cha- AFC Championship game every year, Super Bowl multiple times. I think it's going to be interesting to see what Cincinnati turns into now that they've come into Nashville and won a playoff game. Yeah, Cincinnati's on the way like, up. I just don't think the Colts rivalry is really just there anymore. Like, I think the flame is sizzled. I, I think if it if it wasn't for division, yeah. I mean, I, I feel like yeah. it's just yeah. one of those things where it's just like, okay, we're playing the Colts. I hate the Colts because I hate Peyton Manning. Like that's really <laughs> what it you know goes back into. Yeah. I don't really have a thing or issue about well, the team other than I, the, the Titans are going to beat them. Like I just feel like the Titans are going to beat them. I think if you've lost 14 straight, then it's a rivalry and you get pissed off about it. But then now yeah. that Vrabel has flipped that all around and has ended that, I, I think that sort of disappears. I think you need, I think you need fans. You need postseason stuff. You need storylines. You need proximity. You need knowledge and familiarity. You need all that stuff to sort of create a rivalry And Buffalo and Tennessee has a lot of that. Um, and, and again, we can wrap up here with the, the, the primetime games. I don't really think, cause some of these will be flexed maybe later, later on in the year, you got the Thursday night game at Lambeau Field, which would be a great road trip for anybody that can get tickets to that game. At Buffalo on a Monday night is great. I love the 6-15 Central Time kickoff <laughs> the, being the first game of the doubleheader. I love that. Yeah. Um, playing on a Saturday against Houston later in the year. Thursday night football against the Cowboys at home. I mean, I went to that Christmas night game against – it was Adelphia at the time, and it was Dallas – Emmett Smith and the Cowboys against uh, the Titans on Christmas in like 99. That was a spectacular game. Like I'm all for playing the Cowboys later in the year at home. That's great. Um, I don't know. You got, uh, oh, and then you got Kansas city on the road. So 
you know, there's there's some juice there for this this franchise. I'm not really feeling the Green Bay game. Like, I'm just like, I don't need to. If it snows, I may not even watch. If it snows at, at Green Bay, what? I'm not even watching because the Titans suck in the snow. They're oh, the okay. worst team I've ever seen in the history play in the snow. And I mean, 59 and 0 New England Patriots, and then this last one two years ago against Green Bay. Spare me, I'm out. Like I, if it snows, yeah. I'm watching something else. I'm, okay, take the Titans out of it. Do you like watching snow football in general? In general, yeah. If the Titans aren't playing, love okay. snow football. All right. So they've gone up there what two years ago, right, and got got yeah. housed by Rogers. Oh, housed so bad. I took my five week old. True story. The wife was breastfeeding under like the what's the what's the north end zone? Uh, what was it? Um, what was the stupid? Uh, restaurant that was there um before they changed them all anyway the, 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 the yes the the mom's breastfeeding room at the titan stadium is like in a in a closet underneath the logans <laughs> it's the worst possible thing among other things with the titan stadium that are just terrible my daughter was five weeks old though and that was the year this also speaks to the to the scheduling issues that was Mariota, and I think Henry broke off a long run, or maybe it was DeMarco Murray, actually, and they dominated Green Bay, just completely dominated the Packers. And then the Packers didn't lose a game the rest of the season. They went on that big run and ended up going to the NFC Championship game and losing to the Falcons. So even when you get destroyed by someone on the road or at home or whatever, it still doesn't mean, like, the, the and NFL football is created to be parody so that every game on every schedule is equally difficult. Like that, that anyone can win any game at any point. Like that's the whole point of the sport. So I don't know why I wanted to tell that breastfeeding story, Zach, but uh, I felt the well, need I'll say this. Like to I complain said, for moms everywhere who go to Titans Stadium. It's in Green Bay. Count me out. All I'm right. not watching that game. And you moms that want to go watch your Titans, you need to demand more breastfeeding accountability from the Titans. How about that? There you go. <laughs> you didn't expect that on the show today. Um... Anything else on the schedule? I'm good. I just think the type the tiebreaker games are going to be fascinating. A couple early, a couple in the middle, a couple late. I think it's going to be great. So yeah, I'm wait. I'm I'm just excited that we're one step closer to real football being played. That's all yeah. I care about at this point. I'm excited for OTAs coming up. Um, excited to see what happens with some of these players through that. Still waiting on the Titans to make a move. Don't know if they are. Maybe yeah. they're just satisfied with the uh, the roster as it is. Well, and Giants, it's I don't I think if season ticket holders look at the the slate, they're probably not like super turned on. You know, you, Giants, Raiders, you know, you got the three in the division, Denver, Cincinnati, and and Dallas. But then you go, okay, Cowboys, Russell Wilson, AFC champs, Raiders now have Devontae Adams. Like there's a lot more there there than I think when you, it doesn't have the huge name brands, but when you look at it, I think it's a pretty it's gonna be a pretty fun slate of games. Yeah uh, at Nissan Stadium. So for sure. All right. Uh, wrapping this up, I, I saw. I, I thought about this um, while I was at camp on Friday because I saw Amy Amy Adams Strunk was out there talking to basically every rookie, which I think is just awesome. I think she's a spectacular human being. I could I make the case that she is the single most popular human being in the city of Nashville? Do, do you think she could win that vote among all human beings in the city of Nashville? If it's just if it's just Nashville voting, I would say probably does I, I i would have a hard time because i think dolly parton wins anything that you're going to put her up against doesn't matter who goes up against her probably true is dolly parton is going to win doesn't matter listen taylor swift and amy adams drunk could run on a joint ticket and dolly parton could be <laughs> on her own it's still going to be dolly parton dolly parton is the most beloved figure 
anywhere in the state of Tennessee. I, I think that extends all throughout Tennessee. Now, if she's if it's just sports related people, I think that I think people will say Taylor Lewan because he has busting with the boys. But that's just for the bros that like to wear the cargo <laughs> shorts and stuff. This is wait wait, wait bros wear cargo shorts now? Yeah, I'm sure. Oh, okay. I just assume chain wallets, cargo shorts, probably wear some vans and skateboards some places. Listen, I think you're I think you're putting a lot of uh, stereotypes into one. Yeah, I am. <laughs> you're mixing and matching. Yeah, that's all the same person. And <laughs> I feel like that's just for those adolescent males that haven't matured yet. Taylor wants the guy. I, I think as a whole, Amy Adams Strunk, it would be the most popular sports related person currently in Nashville. That is from that is in with ties to Nashville. Now, if you went to Memphis, obviously John Morant. If you yeah. went to Knoxville, probably Coach Josh. I would say yeah, maybe Rick Barnes. Uh, yeah, Pey- Peyton, Rick Man- Barnes. Peyton Manning would be number oh, one. Oh yeah, Peyton Manning. Yeah. Um, but again, where's Dolly? I don't know what Dolly's uh, official address is. If she's a Nashvilleian, then I think Dolly. I'm sure she has houses everywhere. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. obviously, not Dolly... like Amy Adams Strunk. She has a house in Houston. <laughs> has a house here. I just think if you put like a mayoral race together and said, and maybe not, maybe that's too much like caveat there. But if you just said, who's the most popular human being and you put like anybody from the music world, I'm assuming it's like Garth Brooks, Dolly Parton, Vince Gill, probably those three, maybe Taylor Swift, those four. I don't probably. think Vince Gill's as popular as okay. what hockey fans like to think he is. Okay. There's nobody Preds related other than maybe Roman Yossi, who I, I would, I would bet that Roman Yossi's approval rating is off the charts. There's right. nobody that disapproves of him, but I don't think he would come close to getting the votes that Amy Adams Strunk will get or Dolly Parton would get in terms of like most popular. And the reason I think about this is because number one, I see her interacting with rookies. I see her interacting with the community all the time. I see how popular she is with the fans, with the people, with the organization, with the, with the general manager, with the coach, with the player. I mean, every single person loves and respects Amy Adams Strunk and for what she has done. And she's in the middle of trying to build a $2 billion stadium. So the reason but I bring that this, endear her to the city or not, you know, that's a, that's a, something you had to kind of consider. How much is she spending? We'll answer that question. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and if she's spending more than people think we're going to continue to love her un- unequivocally. Yeah. If she's asking the city to pay a lot of money for this, that's different. And again, this is what I think she's banked a lot of equity. Yeah. Like I think she's got I, a lot I of agree, but is, she's also someone that's not, I don't think you could go to everybody on the street and say, Hey, what do you think about Amy Adams strong? And you would get an answer. You'd get a lot of who's if you did that for like Dolly Parton, Taylor Swift, you know, that's a little bit different. I think you would get a lot of, lot of diverse answers. Um, where does Kesha fall? Uh, uh, I didn't know Kesha was from Nashville. This is the first time that she, I've actually, she went, to, she went to Brentwood high school. I think yeah, I had no clue. I right, listen. I don't care where people went to high school. I was here in high school for one year. I don't care about high schoolers anymore after that. So I wouldn't even know. Like I don't follow recruits on Twitter and talk to them and stuff like that <laughs> where people go to high school. I would have no clue. So you've poo-pooed rookie minicamp. You've poo-pooed yes. the media. You've poo-pooed yes. the schedule release. You've mm-hmm. poo-pooed Kesha. I'm a no poo-pooer. No, no, I did not poo-poo Kesha. I poo-pooed the idea that people should care about where someone went to high school. What if what who's from Florence that's famous? Give me somebody famous from Florence, like, Alabama. I don't know. Like I'd have to Google it. How far are you from Muscle Shoals? <laughs> I mean, we're Florence is like ten minutes away from Muscle Shoals. See, I, so so there you go. You should be claiming it's I I care where Jason Isbell's from. You should be claiming Jason Isbell, and you should claim him as 
We never know he's from Muscle Shoals. I would not claim. I, I moved Kesha. from. Listen, I moved from Florence, Alabama, in 2002. Never looked back. Don't don't care about these people. I don't care about okay, these celebrities right. and stuff. Where they're from. I only care I, about what they do now. I too vomit glitter. That's all I. That's all I have to add to this conversation. Um, I do care where people are from. I don't care, uh, you know, about high school recruits. That that is for sure. I just know that Amy Adams Strunk is. And and to to overcome what she's overcome through the good old boy club where they didn't want her to own the team and for her not to be like they didn't want her and for her to have co- accomplished what she's accomplished in terms of rebuilding the connection between the community and this organization. I think that woman could run for mayor today and she would win the race next year. I think she would beat every single one of these knuckleheads that's running for mayor. I think she would win it. And I think she would do a great job. And let's hope she uh, spends a lot of her own money on the stadium. Yeah, I think if she if you're taking her versus the mayoral candidates right now, she'd win it as a landslide. Not even close. Not even close. All right. So aside from some technical difficulties today on the program, that was a wonderful show. Zach, I had a great time hanging out with you today. Yeah, it was a good one. Make sure you check out all of Zach's work. This is a lot of bills here. Make sure you check out all of Zach's work. Uh, football and other efforts podcast, broadwaysportsmedia.com, of course, all the other great shows from Broadway Sports Media, the Music City Audible, the Hot Read Podcast, all the other shows from our network here at 440, uh, Club and Country Covered SC. You got the gold standard. Still waiting for you to talk, David and John. <laughs> the, Pred- the Predator's Brass needs to speak. Maybe they're working out a retirement or exit plan. Uh, maybe. We'll see. They need to talk to the press, though at some point here pretty soon. Uh, obviously, Fringe Element, a uh, little tease here for those of you who are, have made it all the way to this end of the pod. Uh, we will be talking with Arkansas head football coach Sam Pittman on the show this week, so we'll get some Traylon Burks insight for you from the Arkansas head football coach for Thursday's episode. Otherwise, turn on all the notifications, rate, review, subscribe. Check out the Kingston Group, buildkg.com, Cast Collective on Instagram as well. You can follow him, Zach Lyons, at Pod. You can follow me, Braden Gall, at Braden Gall. Thank you guys all for hanging out with us. We'll talk to you again on Thursday. This has been a football show.